Welcome to another edition of Profiles, a look into the music, artistry, lives, and legacies of the musicians and artists who defined a uniquely creative era by breaking boundaries and finding new influences. While they not only ushered in social as well as political change, they also created immensely popular legacies that have truly stood the test of time. Serge Tonkian is a singer, poet, composer, painter, and leader of the acclaimed rock band System of a Down. Serge and System of a Down have four Grammy nominations and a Grammy Award for Best Hard Rock Performance in 2006. Serge has several solo recordings and collaboration projects to his credit. In addition, Mr. Tonkian is an accomplished political activist who in 2002 co-founded the nonprofit activist organization Acts of Justice with guitarist Tom Morello. Its purpose is to bring together musicians, fans, fans of music, and grassroots progressivism to fight for social justice together. Serge, we began the show with a piece entitled... Artsakh. And Serge, welcome back to KPFK. Thank you, Maggie. It's good to it's good to hear your voice. It's good to be back on KPF, KPFK and Pacifica Radio. It's wonderful to, to have you on. Uh, tell us a little bit about, before we talk about things that are happening in Armenia, uh, about the piece that you wrote. I believe it was back, uh, it's up on YouTube, uh, and uh, it got uploaded around 2016. It's beautiful. Thank you. Um, I wrote the song right after... Uh, there was a, an attack by Azerbaijan in 2016, in April of 2016, on the Republic of Artsakh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh, and uh, I was I was really moved by you know the response to it and 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 all of that. It was called, it was like a three four day war basically, um, and uh, and it made me think of the people that have lived there for, since 500 BC. Um, the type of character, I've been to Artsakh a few times, the type of character they possess, their, their will, their, um, you know, the ability to kind of deal with all of these negativities and attacks and everything around them. So the song embraces their uh, character, their, their will and, and, and who they are and, and, you know, what they're doing on this planet. It's absolutely uh, gorgeous. And you've been very outspoken about the current humanitarian crisis and armed conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan. For our listeners who aren't yet aware of it, please tell us where, when, and how this war broke out. And then, if you can, update us on how you're using your voice to raise both awareness and humanitarian aid. The combined forces of Azerbaijan and Turkey attacked the Republic of Artsakh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh. Uh, Nagorno-Karabakh is basically a, an Armenian uh, enclave, a separate republic that declared its own independence in 1994 after the dissolution of the Soviet Union and after a war with Azerbaijan. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the attacks basically were ready after a whole month of high-level uh, collaborative military exercises between Turkey and Azerbaijan. And for the first time... Uh, this war is not just conducted by Azerbaijan, but also conducted by Turkey against the Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh and Armenia proper as well. And I uh, mentioned to you before we began that I've been in Los Angeles for 30 years, 23 of them living in the city of Glendale. So 
I have been very, and my family, affected by what is going on in the American Armenian community because of what's happening in the homeland. And the conflict is one that so many Americans are largely unaware of. How are you dealing with the frustration of having to confront uh, that lack of knowledge? Um, basically, by sharing as much information as fast as possible and trying to explain what the Republic of Artsakh is, why it's important to recognize Artsakh uh, for, as a legal entity so that it can be protected um, against uh, you know, the, the invasions that, that are happening. Um, and also to kind of cry out and say there's a humanitarian disaster happening here. There's cluster bombs falling on uh, different cities of the Republic of Artsakh where innocent civilians are living in bomb shelters right now. And there are no military targets there. From day one, Azerbaijan and Turkey have been, you know, hitting churches and schools and, and basically civilian uh, areas and creating death and destruction uh, as a tool of war, as a tool of uh, fear. Um, and the people there, the soldiers, uh, the Armenians are fighting to protect their families that are right behind them. This is for us, not a matter of land. It's not a matter only of history, even though Armenians have been living there since 500 BC, the place has always been majority Armenian population, but it's a matter of protecting their families, the, protecting their lives. Um, it's an existential battle, a challenge for this century for Armenians. hundred years after the Armenian genocide perpetrated by Turkey, the same Turkey that is denying history. Um, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's really, really challenging emotionally as a diasporan Armenian to be looking at the grandchildren of the perpetrators of the genocide murdering the grandchildren of the victims of the genocide. Yes, I know. I, I actually read that, that quote online yesterday. And, you know, tears came to my eyes because the emotions that everyone in my, the area that I live, um, that they're dealing with, is that we need to inform people and inspire them to stand up and call out this aggression. And, you know, that's why when I thought about doing an hour on this topic, I, I knew that you would be, you know, so wonderful to have and to be able to communicate these things that we, the Americans need to know. Now, what kind of actions do you hope to see by the international community and by organizations like NATO and the European Union to begin to resolve this conflict? Well, first, I think the international community needs to call out the aggressors because the disinformation campaign that started with the war itself, I think, confused a lot of the press. And now they're coming to realize that these were planned attacks by Azerbaijan and Turkey on the Armenian enclave. And so they need to basically start by calling out the aggressors. Number two, sanction, put teeth behind you know, the uh, uh, calling out of, of the aggression uh, and do sanctions against Turkey and Azerbaijan. And third, f uh, for it's very important for the people who are living right now in bomb shelters to be recognized by the international community so that 
you know, we, we haven't had Amnesty International go there. We haven't had Human Rights Watch go there. There are journalists going there because Artsakh and the Republic of Armenia is open to journalists, whereas Azerbaijan is completely closed off to foreign journalists. In fact, a lot of their social media is closed off to their own citizens so that they can control the propaganda and information, given the fact that they're a petro-oligarchic, you know, dictatorship. Um, so recognizing Artsakh as a legal platform by the European Union, by the United States or, or different countries is really vital to helping those people have ty- a type of protection that they don't currently have. And what are your feelings regarding both the United States Congress and the Trump administration's reaction to the war in uh, Nagorno-Karabakh, which you, you can say much better than I. The, um, the United States Congress, we have over 100 uh, congressmen that are already um, co- co-sponsoring a resolution calling out the aggression by Turkey and Azerbaijan, asking for sanctions against Turkey. And, uh, and, and there's even uh, a resolution regarding the recognition of Artsakh. So um, Congress is doing a, a fantastic job. They're mostly Democrats, I got to say. Um, there are a handful of Republicans that are starting to get on board, which is great. Uh, the Trump administration has made blanket statements about the warring parties coming to the negotiating table in the guise of the OSCE Minsk Group, which is the recognized arbitration body of the region, uh, which include the United States, Russia, and France. Um, however, you know, and recently Mike Pompeo made a statement about you know, the dislike of Turkey's involvement and, you know, them pushing the agenda of of war. Um, But there hasn't been major, um, you know, pull uh, of of them, you know, calling out Turkey as a NATO member and saying what you're doing is completely non-NATO-like and that we will not just, you know, we... And, 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 and putting some teeth into it, sanctioning, you know, Trump has no problem sanctioning China. Trump has no problem sanctioning other countries around the world for, for human rights abuses or whatever he thinks that he's doing. But here, Turkish F-16s, American-made F-16s by Turkey are launching long-range missiles into population areas, killing Armenians. Um, and he's not doing that. So... Um, I think there's a lot more that can be done by the State Department, by the U.S. administration. Like I said, there are resolutions going through Congress, and I think as U.S. citizens, it's our obligation to support those and and let our congressional delegates know that we support sanctions against Azerbaijan and Turkey for their aggression. We support the recognition of Artsakh as a nation. I want to remind everyone, you're listening to KPFK 90.7 FM Los Angeles, my name is Maggie Lapique. This is special programming today. And my very special guest is Serge Tonkian. He is a singer, poet, composer, painter, and leader of the acclaimed rock band System of a Down. He's also co founder of the nonprofit activist organization Acts of Justice with the wonderful guitarist Tom Morello. And Tom and Serge, uh, many years ago, had a radio show here on KPFK entitled Axis of Justice, which, you know, people loved. (laughs) It was crazy uh, how much, you know, people uh, still talk about that show. And uh, the fact that Serge and Tom are just not only brilliant musicians and artists, but they really are very, very active politically. And they just, you, you guys just 
do such amazing work, and we're so proud of you guys, um, always. Thank you, Maggie. Likewise, and and all the work that you've done, I want to thank Alan Minsk, Minsky, your producer, who was our producer at the. Yes, Access we love Radio Alan. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we we were on uh, KPFK and the Pacific Pacifica Network for a number of years, mm -hmm. and and uh, no, we we love doing the radio show. These are the type of things we used to talk about: different injustices, play a lot of social socially tinged music, obviously, and. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for all the work that you're doing as well. But we're, we're discussing uh, right now the uh, humanitarian crisis and armed conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan. And I wanted to we spoke about Trump for a moment. I, wa I wanted to get your reaction to the statement put out by the uh, Biden-Harris uh, campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the statement put out by the Biden-Harris campaign was very encouraging. They uh, pointed out Turkey as a party to the aggression, uh, the need for uh, they, you know, and basically they asked for President Trump to call back Turkey and its machine, its war machine from the area because it's making things obviously worse. Um, and uh, and and calling for the parties to come to the negotiating table. It was a very, very strong statement, a necessary statement. And we would love to see something like that from the administration itself. Definitely. Now, how do we push back against the propaganda and social media misinformation that's out there? Because you mentioned that at the very beginning. So Turkey from day one had a journalist on the ground. Um, so as the missile started launching he started reporting uh it was a turkish journalist on the front lines and if you know the front lines of where we're discussing the line of contact there is no way anyone would be there um so it's very obvious and and obviously they had a full month to prepare uh bring weaponry over the f-16s the turkish drones the military advisors there's uh a number of Turkish troops there on the ground, about 600 of them from drone operators to generals to, you know, conducting the air uh, command and all of that stuff. So they they were ready. And, and of course, they used disinformation as a part of their war machine propaganda. Goebbels would be proud. Um, so what we've had to do in the first week of the war is basically get rid of this false parody because a lot of, unfortunately, investigative journalism has you know, devolved uh, over the years because of funding, because of many reasons in the industry. And so everyone would just try to create this false parody saying there's a war, there's a conflict between these two people. It's old. It's, it's bullshit. They attacked. They attacked. Um, they used war and, and cluster bombs to attack a civil, peaceful civilian population, um, each with different intentions. Turkey has different intentions than Azerbaijan. But... Um, and that's got to be said. So it took about a week for countries uh, and, and mostly the media to catch up with that. We're still correcting people. Um, and, you know, so a propaganda campaign can be very effective. They've also got a lot of social media bots that we've been fighting against. So every time that we post something about Artsakh or the people or humanitarian crisis, there's a bunch of bots that come on and basically taunt or uh, spew negativity or I mean we've seen it with many different campaigns yes. uh, and so Facebook took down about 8,000 uh, bots from Azerbaijan based in Azerbaijan already um, but um, I haven't heard of anything by Instagram or Twitter yet um, but you know it's that disinformation campaign that we're fighting while trying to uh, 
spread awareness about what's really going on, the need for humanitarian assistance and all of that. Fantastic. And I follow you. So that's why I know that I'm getting, you know, some honest and uh, straightforward information. And and I feel like um, I need to learn more. And I know so many Americans, they want to learn. They want to get involved. And, you know, I, I just wanted to finally ask you what in your mind is the ideal outcome of, uh, you know, any, um, you know, resolution of the aggression and the armed conflict of, that's that's happening there right now. Right. The, you know, there already was a war where 30,000 people were killed and things were settled in 1994. Unfortunately, a ceasefire never uh, evolved into a peace agreement on the Nagorno-Karabakh issue between Azerbaijan and Armenia. So that needs to happen. That ne- There needs to be, uh, you know, back to the negotiating table. This can only be resolved at a negotiating table. This cannot be resolved by war because, you know, it's not it's not doing anything, you know. Um, it's just killing people. It's it's destabilizing the region because Turkey has also brought in Syrian mercenaries, as some as some as some of you may know, in the region, and that's on the border of Iran and on the border of a uh, land border with Russia. And so all these powers are uncomfortable. You know, um, Armenia has a defense pact with Russia and a number of ex-Soviet countries. You know, Turkey is a NATO member. Uh, we feel that. This war is going to blow up into something way bigger if everyone doesn't focus on this world in world community and stop the aggressors from doing what they're doing. Um, peace is the only way. I mean, we, we all want peace. We want everything to stop. We want the bombs to stop immediately. Uh, there were two ceasefires mediated by Russia in the last week, and both were broken by Azeri troops firing. I mean, I'm talking about four minutes after the ceasefire hour. Like, let's say it's midnight, four minutes after the midnight, cluster bombs and not stopping. In fact, the first ceasefire was used as a uh, distraction to kill uh, Armenian forces while they were waiting for their for the Azeris to pick up their dead. They were attacked in, in, in with drones and killed with missiles. It's really ugly. It's really shameful and dishonorable, um, you know, how they're conducting their aggressive campaign armed with petrodollars, um, you know, so we want peace. We want to go back to the negotiating table. Unfortunately, Azerbaijan and their um, dictatorship has been, you know, instead of, they, they don't know how to compromise apparently because their compromise is for all Armenians to leave their ancestral homes. Oh. That's their compromise or be, uh, or, or live under Azeri rule. And that's impossible given the hate the vitriolic racism coming out of Baku, and uh, let alone the beheadings by the jihadists of Armenian soldiers and and the skinnings and and that kind of stuff. So that's not going to happen. So we're in an existential battle and we have to fight. We have no choice. I mean, I say we because I'm Armenian, you know, my people. We have no choice. Wow. Well, we're going to continue to cover this and... I'm I'm so happy to say that um, today, Serge, we're able to partner with uh, Armenia Fund, which is the largest humanitarian organization serving the needs of the Republic of Armenia and the Atsakh Republic. You can. There's many ways of donating these days. Um, I've donated 
numerous times. And, you know, I, I encourage everyone to do so. We're doing different fund drives from virtual concerts and just trying to, you know, get enough humanitarian supplies to Armenia for the people of Nagorno-Karabakh. Um, a lot of them are in shelters. A lot of them are in bomb uh, bomb shelters underground and, you know, kids without school. And it's just, it, it is truly, truly a catastrophe during COVID, you know. Yeah. Um, that's another thing. And there's, you know, I mean, f- for someone to plan to attack a country during COVID is below anything I've ever, you know, thought of. Like, it's it's really, really, mm, I don't know. Well, the timing is is uh, is never good for war, but this is I just mean, pure. The, this, was, this is this is pure evil. It's pure evil, and it was done on purpose, knowing that the U.S. would be busy with the elections, let alone the whole world busy looking after their populations with the disease. Serge Donkin, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. I know you're very very busy, and if people want to follow you, um, how can they do that? I'm. Mostly socials, uh, Serge Tankian on Twitter, uh, Serge Tankian on Instagram and, and Facebook as well. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Profiles. And please join me next time for another in-depth look at the legendary musicians and artists who changed the trajectory, opened our minds, and have continued to inspire us. I'm your host and producer, Maggie Lapique. Special thanks to my producers, Jerry O and Andrea Love. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to tune in next time for Profiles with Maggie LaPique.